on 102.4 FM, across Rotherham, online, on your mobile, and on your smart speaker. This is Red Road FM. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Sporting Hour, and we are delighted to be joined by Rotherham snooker player Ashley Carter, who made his Crucible debut this year. Ash, thank you very much for joining us. Just tell us a little bit about how it felt to make your Crucible debut. Yeah, um, nice to come on the show. Uh, yeah, it felt... Um Unbelievable, you know, it's a dream come true. You, you always set off as a snow player, you always dream about walking down them cru- uh, crucible steps. And um, to manage, uh, finally do that within only two years of being on the tour, it's um, unbelievable, really, and a bit surreal. I'll just take you back to uh, to qualifying, Ash, obviously, at the AIS. Uh, you managed to come through qualifying with some great wins there. Just, just talk us through the feeling of when that final ball went in at qualifying to beat Robert Milk is just... The, the relief probably to, to win the game and, and, and the feelings that overcame you knowing that you're, you're staying on the tour for the two years and that you're making your Crucible debut Yeah, the pressure was massive obviously I was 9-4 in front uh, against Rob Milkins and uh, he's come back and won 4 on the trot I think so you know, it was getting a bit tense and I was starting to get a little bit doubts in my mind thinking, will I lose? and there's so much at stake uh, my tour card for the next two years at stake as well and there's enough pressure as it is getting to the crucible. So um, to have two in one, it was just um, unbelievable. Really, I didn't. I, I, I'm so proud of myself the way I handled the the pressure. But um, you know, I, I knew I was going to get a chance in the end, and to finally take it, and I played a good solid frame the last one. Uh, like I say, it's just relief more than anything to get over the line. Obviously, we spoke before the before the champion the the qualifier started, and you said that you thought the shorter format might suit yourself a little bit. Um, just a word on how you found the shorter format, then going into the the longer format in the in the final game and the first game of the Crucible. Yeah, absolutely. Best of nineteens, uh, the long matches, especially three and three in a row. You know, um, so the shorter format does um, benefit the the lower ranked players because obviously you get off to a good start, the, your opponents under a lot of pressure. So. Um, yeah, I struggled a bit my first game against Ross Muir, but um, managed just to scrape over the line. Took a bit of confidence in it, and then I've got previous wins against Jimmy Robertson and Rob Milkin, so you know I was going into them matches confident and knew I could get the wins that I needed. Just looking at the best of 19 games, obviously it's two sessions, isn't it? Just just taking us back to the qualifiers and the, and the, and the your Crucible debut as well. What's it like when you have that break in between in between the games, obviously, to try and... Like you might be on a good run, say, like you were leading against uh, Robert Milkins and you came back into the game, obviously, against um, against Stuart Bingham. To then have that break, what's it like then to... What's it like during that break, you know, what you're thinking about and then what is it like to try and get going again in the in the next session? Yeah, so, you know, best nines, they are long matches, it's really tough. You've got two sessions, the first uh, session's nine frames and then you have, you have a break but, uh, after the fourth frame as well. So you, you've got to play it as um, mini sessions, really, and... Um, Try and win each session three uh, one or, or draw two two as long as you don't get too far behind you, you know you've always you've always got a chance um, so yeah you have, you have time to reflect um, you go back back to the hotel you could be six three up or, or five four up or, or losing it and it's it's hard because that that break in between the match could absolutely change everything because. You know, you go back to your hotel, you have time to reflect and uh, obviously get time on the practice table as well. So it's it always comes out and whatever happens in the first session, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's how you finish the game really in a, in a long best of 19. 
it's probably a case of being in with a shout after the first session, isn't it? And making sure that you're still in the game, obviously. Um, taking you back to the draw, obviously getting Stuart Bingham in the draw um, and, and your first game. How do you think you applied yourself in the, in the first game, in your first game at the Crucible? Yeah, I, I loved every second of it. Um, you know, everyone who watched said um, I, looked, I looked at home and I looked really comfortable and calm, which I felt, I felt I didn't feel as nervous as I thought I would, which quite surprised me. Um, but yeah, you know, he's a former world champion and to give him the game I did, you know, I've, I've got got to be proud and take a lot of positives from it. Yeah, obviously, Ash, in that game, you know, you made your first century, how, how did that feel? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, you know, it's a dream to actually play at the Crucible, but to, to make a, a century break in the first game there, it's, um takes some doing, really. I don't think many, many players have actually done it, so, yeah, it's another thing ticked off my bucket list. Um, just need to go on and win it now. That's it. Hopefully, uh, in the future, go on and win it and uh, qualify for many more crucibles as well. Um, obviously, you got obviously the tournament. Sorry, was was under the microscope a little bit for being a test event, and all the work that Will Snooker put into into getting the the venue biosecure and things like that, and, and, and safe for fans to come in. Obviously, you got uh, the best of both worlds. You got to play obviously with the crowd on the on the opening day, and then the news obviously coming that the test events were cancelled, and you had to obviously finish your game without a crowd. What was it like? With a crowd compared to without a crowd playing at the Crucible. Yeah, with the crowd it was um, a great, great experience. To have a lot of friends and family there cheering me on, it was was a special moment, especially walking down the steps and hearing everyone cheering for me. It's, um, I haven't really witnessed that before. You know, I've never really played in front of a, a big crowd, so to have that was a really special moment for me, and uh, I absolutely loved it. And then, obviously, the second day um, they stopped letting spectators in, um, and it was a shame, really. Um, it wasn't the same, it felt a bit, a bit flat, a bit like a practice session, but you know, when you sat in the chair and you, you're still playing the Crucible, you, you've got to try and pinch yourself a little bit and just try and do what you're there to do and win the game. In terms of playing with and without a crowd, do you think it benefits the, the, the lower ranked players that maybe qualified or do you think it benefits the top players? I think it depends on the on the player really. You know, I, I enjoy playing in front of big crowds on the big stage. Um, so it, it all depends on the, the players. Some players don't like playing in front of big crowds. You know, even Ronnie, he said he doesn't like playing in front of crowds because he could easily get distracted with everyone cheering his name after every shot. So it, um, yeah, you know, I I love love playing in front of big crowds and hopefully many more to come. Yeah, exactly. Open mouths coming, and just from from all of us here, actually, a massive congratulations and a big well done, obviously, for your crucible debut. And I'm sure there'll be many more to come in the future. Yeah. So looking back on the tournament, then the the tournament came to a finish with Ronnie O'Sullivan beating Kyron Wilson uh, in the final. Um, a pretty uncompetitive final, would you say, Ash? Yeah, you know, you, Ronnie's a massive favourite between them two. I think the last final they played in um, in the English Open, I think Ronnie beat him. 10-2 I think um, might be wrong but it was a definitely one side of final so yeah you know I think Ronnie's way too strong for Kyron obviously Kyron we're just enjoying the experience more than trying to win the game I think um, obviously Ronnie's just he's the best player ever in my opinion so it was always going to be a tough ask to beat Ronnie over a long long format best of 35 Talking of Ronnie as well, being one of the best players ever. Obviously, he's won six uh, World Championship titles now, one behind Stephen Hendry, who's, who, who has seven and holds the record. Um, how do you how do you rate Ronnie's achievement alongside the achievements of, say, a Steve Davis that got six or a Hendry that got seven? Yeah, it's, it's completely different. You know, Hendry in in the nineties, there was no one really to touch him. Um, Save so with Steve Davis in the eighties, no one could touch him. But 
Ronnie, he's, he's had competitive um, against John Higgins and Mark Williams, who have all shared what probably Andre had to himself. So, you know, if Ronnie didn't have um, John Higgins and Mark Williams competing against him at, at the same time, Ronnie could pro possibly be in double figures. So, um, yeah, I think Ronnie's six is definitely more impressive than Andre's seven. And you never know, Ronnie might go on to um, to Eclat anyway, which uh, if he does, that would be incredible. Like I say, it's, it's the first one that Ronnie's won since 2013. Um, obviously, is it a, a special one for Ronnie this year in terms of, um, obviously, with they've been in lockdown, he's had a bit of time to practice. I thought it was remarkable. He said that he doesn't have a practice venue um, and he's just had a couple of tables put in his mate's office. Um, just how much of an achievement is it for, for someone that doesn't play on on, on as many games in the tour as some to, to play like he did in, in the World Championships. Yeah, I, I don't uh, believe everything that Ronnie says, but um, I'm sure he's got a, a decent practice uh, facility. You know, um, he loves a, a, a few uh, comments that aren't, aren't true in his interviews. Um, but yeah, um, so he's been struggling um, at the Crucible the last few years, and you know, coming into the tournament, um, quite a few pros when we're at the qualifiers we were talking and. A lot of them thought he would never win it again, um, despite how good it is, because he's, he has been struggling the last few years at Crucible. Last year he lost to amateur James Cale in the first round, so that was a big shock. Um, he, he seemed to lose his way a little bit, lost interest in most of the tournaments he played in. He just turned up and didn't seem interested. Um, you know, If he applied himself well, he'd probably win 7 out of 10 tournaments per year, so... Um, it was a shame to see him struggling lately, but you know he's he's turned up for the big one and um, gave gave it everything, and he's prevailed uh, champion. If you if you look at him in this world championship, sorry, uh, if you look at him this world championship, um, maybe it's not been his his safety playing and his, and his and and snooker playing things like that that's that's been his that's been his best asset. It's it's the break building, isn't it? And he spoke didn't he, after that he likes the the element of break building and scoring heavy. How hard must it be, you know, from a professional yourself to play against players like that, that when they get in, they score so heavy? Yeah, against Ro Ronnie, he said um, he was struggling with his long game and his safety weren't as good as it, it normally was. Um, but every time he got a chance, he, you know, he scored heavy. Um, so when you play Ronnie, I've never, I've never played Ronnie, um, but I know when you do play him, you've got to score heavy. If if you get your chances and you and you only make even a 50 or 60 break, it's not enough against him. You've got to win the frame one visit every frame to have any chance of beating him. Is that good? Yeah, you just touched on there about Ronnie's comments. You know, he said stuff about the, the players coming through at the minute aren't as good and he'd have to um, lose an arm and a leg to, to lose to the players. I think, you know, we have to take that with a pinch of salt, don't we? But how, how do you feel about that? Do you feel... Yes, uh, it is controversial, some of his comments, but um, like you say... Um, take it with a pinch of salt. I think he has that many interviews, he kind of gets bored of them and uh, the only way he finds to get through them is by entertaining himself, by making these kind of comments. He, he finds it funny and, you know, it, it's quite funny to listen to. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of players that do get offended and it's not really fair to them, you know, they're all trying to work their way up. He started at the bottom at, at one time, so... He's quite harsh, but you know, you just go. I just laugh at it and find it funny, um, and uh, try and motivate me. Really, if I do go end up playing him, that them comments will be in the back of the mind, and it'll make me want to beat him even more. He clearly played that on arm and leg last year. Then he got beat by James Cale or an amateur in the first round in the first round of the Crucible. So yeah, that's it. Like I say, I, I don't think he, he doesn't really look into or he doesn't mean what he says. He just um, 
entertains himself by saying these things and you know he, he just wants to have a laugh and that's up to him really. Just a word on, on Kyron Wilson as well, obviously um, a player around similar age to yourself that you've played before, um, his first World Championship final, you know, and I got a bye in the first round with the Anthony Hamilton, Anthony Hamilton um, um, debacle, but what a great achievement for Kyron Wilson to reach his first World Final. Yeah, you know, Kyron is a, he's a great player, he's, a, he's nicknamed the Warrior, he's a, he is a warrior, he works really hard, he never gives up and that showed this week, you know, especially in the semi-final against uh, Anthony McGill, which we'll get get to. But um, yeah, he, he he's he's a good all-round player. He's not great at any any aspect of the game, but he's good at all round. And you know, I know tr- tr- he's linked with Trump a lot. Um, comparison, but Trump's a lot better player in my opinion. Trump scores more heavier. Um, his safety is probably a little bit better as well. But yeah, Kyron is he's a good all-round player, and um, you know he's he's proving that he can compete with the top players, and I'm sure he's got many more tournament wins in him. Looking back at the semi-finals, like you said, have you have you seen two better semi-finals in a in a Crucible year, World Championship year? Yeah, it's incredible, weren't it? Especially the McGill Wilson. Um, it was like watching something down the local club. The the signing frame with the tension, the drama, and the pressure. Just you could feel it sat on your sofa. It was incredible. Um, and it just goes to show how how hard the game is, and then it even shows how hard it is with with the amount of pressure that they get into the world final. You know, they they both look like um, they never really played before. Um, but yeah, it's great. It's great for viewing. It's great for the the general public um, who want to see. They watch snooker for that that kind of reason to see all the the drama and the pressure. I know I spoke to you Ash during the game during that semi final and when I think I think um, late on in the frame he Kyron Wilson had a ball on the on the cushion near the middle pocket and he missed the ball went in straight in the middle pocket and he went in off in the middle pocket and you said didn't you to me that that's just what pressure does um, just like just just explain to obviously people that listen how much pressure is there on you in in, in the World Championship let alone in the semi final yeah it's um, pressure does th- funny things to you you know you just can't think clear there's there's been times when. I've been playing matches and I've had it's been down to the last frame and there's a lot of pressure on you. You just can't count. You can't count the scores. You you stood looking at the scoreboard for for five minutes trying to work work out and they might be only five points different. It's just um, incredible, really. Um, but us as snooker players and and sportsmen as well, that's what you've got to train to try and handle. That's what all the practice goes into for to get through them moments. Obviously in that semi-final as well, Anthony McGill being there, world number 30 plus, isn't he, he's in the world, he's, he's, he's a low-ranked player in terms of getting to a semi-final. Just what, how great an achievement is it for McGill to, to come through the qualifying round like yourself and then and manage to, to go 15 out of the 17 days at the, at the Crucible? How much of a, a, long, a long week is that for him and, and how much concentration and, and, and mental pressure or pressure on him? Um, throughout that week yeah he must have been exhausted you know um, he's done magnificent to get to the semi-final especially coming through three qualifying matches um, it really does take a lot out of you but I, I've always rated McGilly I think he's a fantastic player and he's a, he's a fighter as well he's a great tactician you know he practices with uh, John Higgins and Alan McManus the two best um, tactical players in the game in my opinion so I know he's knocking on the door of the top 16 a few years ago he's Seemed to slack off a little bit uh, last couple of years, but um, this this tournament's got him back up and running, and he's he's nearly in the top sixteen again. So yeah, hopefully he can kick on and uh, prove to everyone how good a player I know he, um, the rest of the tour know he is as well. 
in the other semi-final, obviously there was the, the big talking point was the comments from Mark Selby afterwards saying that, that Ronnie was disrespectful towards him and disrespectful towards the game and the way that he, pl- he played out some of the safety and some of the snookers that he was putting. Uh, I think Ronnie said himself that he's not very good at playing out of safeties, so he's just going to smash them and, and hope he gets out of it. Um, he said that I think he said that he watched the McGill-Wilson game and watched poor old Anthony McGill go back about eight times in a big frame and that's not going to happen to him. From your view, looking at it as a professional player, um, was it disrespectful by Ronnie the way he played? Was it disrespectful to Mark Selby, or was it probably salty comments a little bit by Selby after losing a, a big game? Yeah, I can see where Selby's coming from. You know, um, when you are playing good safeties and good snookers, and your opponents just getting down and smashing the balls, um, I suppose you can take it as disrespectful. But if I was Selby, I'd I'd, I'd love that Ronnie was doing that to me. You know, if he's just getting down and whacking balls, I'd want to snook him as much as I could. And it shows that Ronnie's the pressure's getting to Ronnie as well. So, yeah, I think it was a bit um, salty comment after the defeat. You know, it, it's hard getting interviewed straight after the game. You don't necessarily say what you mean. But um, yeah, if that was me, like I said, I'd I'd, um, I'd rather players do that against me. You're going to get more chances. So, it's uh, each to their own, really. Before the start of the tournament as well, actually a lot of the, the spotlight was on Judd Trump. Could he be one of the could he be the first player to retain um, the World Championship for, when he's when he's won his first world title, is that right? Um, and obviously the the crucible curse that there is, uh, obviously the crucible curse came to haunt uh, Judd Trump as well just your your thoughts on Judd never really settling in in the tournament. No, it like I've I've heard this coming back as a defending champion or the first time champion this more pressure than is out of anyone there it goes to show you know the crucible curse it is a is a lethal thing because you've had your players john higgins uh stephen andrew ronnie they've never defended it after winning the first the first title so it just goes to show how hard it is to win back-to-back titles after your first one um to win one world title is hard enough but to win them back-to-back is a you know it's something special i told you something special as well another Another world champion in, in John Higgins has probably done everything in the game that he could do other than uh, a maximum at the Crucible, and, and this year he managed to do it. Just just your thoughts on, I know you're, you're a big fan of John Higgins, but your thoughts on on, the, on getting that maximum this year? Yeah, it must have been a special moment for John. Um, obviously, he's, like you say, he's done everything in the game, won everything, um, achieved everything. The only thing he didn't do was a 147 at the Crucible, and you know, before the when they announced that there wasn't spectators in, um, I, I predicted there would be a 147, seen as there's less pressure from the fans. I know in, in the final last year against Judd Trump, he, he was on the 147, but the, the, the crowd got too involved in it and it put him off the, the black on 112. So, um, yeah, I fancied someone making a 147. You've seen a couple of attempts from other players as well. But um, Higgins, he's, he's a fantastic player, and I, I regard him, you know, Second best of all time behind Ronnie. Looking forward now, the Nash, obviously, the new season. I think during the tournament, uh, Barry Earn and, and Will Snooker announced that the new format for the, for the new season, moving a lot of the, uh, the, the UK based tournaments forward to the, to the first part of the year, obviously, with the, with the, the, the COVID 19 situation. Um, a busy schedule for you from, from September onwards, eight tournaments up to Christmas, starting with the Championship League, um, which has now been made a ranking event, hasn't it, rather than an invitational event. Um, just what are your hopes for the new season and is with these eight tournaments up to Christmas is it a chance for you to in good form maybe get some early ranking points and early and early um, money on the money list yeah um, you know there's going to be um, quick fire tournaments straight after each other not 
all the way up to Christmas after next month non-stop so you've got to thank Barry Earn and Will Snook everything they've done to get us back playing and and the, the standard of the tournaments as well like the Championship League ranking event so it's a good good opportunity for every player now to get off to a good start and then you know next next year all the ones abroad um, it gives you a lot of confidence going into them as well. That's on the flip side, isn't it? Obviously, it's it's nice to have all the UK-based ones before Christmas, but then obviously after Christmas next year, there's going to be a bit, a few pretty long trips in there, isn't there? Yeah, it'll be hectic. You know, um, there may, might be four tournaments in China. There's one in Saudi Arabia. Um, I think India as well. So yeah, it, um, it's just we've got to be grateful for what we're playing at the minute. Um, so hopefully, I get I get off to a good start this season and build on build on the Championship League and the World Championships as well and really kick on my two-year tour card now and hopefully move up the rankings um, and where I know I belong. Well, Ash, uh, thank you very, very much for, for coming in and joining us and for looking back on the uh, on the World Championships. Obviously, we've extremely enjoyed um, watching at the World Championships this year uh, and watching the full tournament as well and, and we wish you every bit of luck and we know that you'll work really hard to try and kick on through now in your next two years on the tour. Yep. So, Cheers, thank you very mate. much. On 102.4 FM, across Rotherham, online, on your mobile, and on your smart speaker. This is Red Road FM.